I'm Steve Boyd from Walking the Walking Dead, a podcast member of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the one you're listening to now, the opinions expressed are those of each individual. You can check out other podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. And get ready, because geekiness begins in three, two, one. I'm Cody Goff, and this is Unqualified Gamers, and I'm here with someone who is qualified to game things. Right? Really? The system, at least. This is... Is that what you're good at gaming? Cool. So I'm here with Sam Castry, attorney at law. Ace attorney. Ace attorney. We'll go with Sam Castry, ace attorney, right? I like it. I just kind of know that you know about video game law. Like, so you've, you've studied general i would presume intellectual like property law but you practice more with video games or did you study specifically video game law uh, both actually um and in law school i did, took uh, several intellectual property classes uh including copyrights trademarks but there was also a video game law seminar i took uh, my last semester that was pretty cool oh <laughs> so uh both Okay, and somewhat informed what you actually practice. Yeah, well, what, how I actually got onto this kick, as, as it were, my after my first year of school, uh, I had a friend who had worked on a little free-to-play flash game on the internet, and she discovered that some little company in Vietnam had copied the game, ripped it off wholesale, and had posted it for sale in iTunes. And... Well, what do you do about this? They they obviously sent uh, a letter to Apple to say this is a problem, take it down, and Apple didn't do anything oh. for a little while. But then they also took to the internet basically and made a fuss, and the Vietnamese company didn't want the bad press and took it down on their own. Hmm. Um, and this just kind of got me going on one that suck, and I'm sorry <laughs> to my friend. She. she I still don't think anything ever came of that. But then what can you really do? And, and looking into the relevant uh, portions of copyright law, and the answer was, I, uh, I, I don't know. Because it was a really kind of a gray area here. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I, I've seen even episodes of this podcast have just been randomly posted to other websites. Well, well there is, is a, a law. It's the Digital Millennium Copyright Act that basically... You, you send a takedown letter to whoever's hosting your stuff, and they're supposed to take it down within a reasonable amount of time or something vague like that. Um, <laughs> and if they do take it down properly, then you cannot sue them, but you can sue whoever stole it and posted it in the first place. Um, and it was very unclear whether Apple had actually complied with everything, and I was... A, just finished my first year of law school. I wasn't actually a lawyer and couldn't do anything about it anyway so there wasn't anything i could do but i looked into it and i actually published a piece uh that was kind of cool um about this problem and i don't think anything has ever come of any of it but it, it's a nice little well you published something yeah it's a nice little gold star on my resume at least so right? that <laughs> that's a thing that was accomplished well, yeah i would say that's pretty cool uh where was it published can people it was the oh i'm gonna probably get this not exactly right the Texas Review of Entertainment and Sports Law or something. Uh, if you search for my name and cyber plagiarism, you can probably find the journal. 
and I have lots of copies still sitting around in my house. So feel free to shoot me an email. I'll send you one. I don't care. Is or something officially part of the title of that publication? No. It's not the Texas Journal of Law or something? No, sadly. That would be a really... Uh, I would read that publication, to <laughs> right? be totally honest. <laughs> so it's really cool. So that's how you got your start, and then you've been... And now you're practicing. And I, I actually know you're practicing because, fun fact for me, I was at Adler Planetarium's Adler After Dark a couple days ago. Okay. And it was video game themed, or gaming themed, and actually ran into one of our friend John's classmates that he knew. <laughs> and we actually were talking... Because John ran into him, and I go up, and I said something. I was like, oh, are you going to go with the, to this Indie City thing on Saturday? And he goes, yeah. And I said, oh, yeah, actually, I'm going to be with Sam Castry. Do you know him? And he goes, oh, he's my lawyer. Nice. So, like, small world. Yeah. I actually ran into a guy who said you're his lawyer. It's always a good feeling when someone says that, I'll be honest. I, I thought I was impressed. Like, I was immediately, I'm like, oh, my gosh, somebody just called Sam his lawyer. Like, that's really cool. No, I think that's really cool. I'll be honest. I mean, I've been only at this a, a couple years, but the first time someone said, oh, and, and Sam is my lawyer, like, oh, that's so cool. Say it again. Right. It's cool. And oh, I ran yeah. into this random guy literally two days ago who we're going <laughs> to see this afternoon. Um, and we'll talk about Indie City in a little sure. bit. Not that neither of us are, like, representatives, but you've been to their meetings before, so yeah, you can maybe speak to it a bit better but um so so i know that you are an actual lawyer that was my confirmation right coming into this like okay cool we can actually talk to sam and he's like official well i graduated in spring of 2013 uh took the illinois bar exam uh got sworn in on halloween of all days in 2013 you've got to be kidding me no no that's when they did it that is the Usually it's in like early November, but I don't have any idea why they decided to change it into October 31st. And they, they sent around, I'm sure this was just a form letter they sent every year to everyone, but it said, you know, make sure you dress nicely or we're not going to give you your certificate. But I'm sure it took on extra meaning that year. Um, a little bit. So, all right. So, so we all got to dress as lawyers is what someone joked to me. And I think, okay, fine. Great. <laughs> well, I was just, the listener needs to be aware that you were wearing a bright orange sport coat because since I've known you, which is several years, you've gone by the neon orange night. Yes. And so, of course, like you, you show up at Tribune Tower and I'm thinking uh, and you're like, OK, I'm downstairs. And I immediately know I'm, I can go downstairs and see you wearing something orange. And there you are in cargo shorts and your orange blazer. And you look very dapper, of course. Thank you. But, but for you to be sworn in on <laughs> Halloween, I mean, come on. It was very tempting. That is. But that's very uh, fortuitous. I suppose. So. Is it? I mean, that's that there's some there's some kind of of that's a sign of something I, that's fair i mean that's right fair. i think that's that's phenomenal <laughs> that you were sworn in on halloween yeah uh, so sworn in is that is that the right nomenclature yes yes it is we, we went in and they had um <coughs> people there from the illinois supreme court natural justices not all of them but justices from the court and we all raised our hands and recited the oath to uphold the constitution and and all that and we got i have a little never did get it framed yet but uh you know, my, my law license Awesome. Official looking paper from uh, the state. And now you're a video game lawyer. And now I'm a video game lawyer. I guess, if, if that's how you'll go after it. <laughs> sure. so, so you mostly work with independent developers? Like, I guess, I guess, tell me, how does somebody find you? Like, how do you, how does somebody know, like, I work in video games, I need a lawyer, I'm going to go to this guy? Um, a lot of word of mouth for me. Uh, I, I've been, had been on my own for most of that time. Um, 
showing up to events like Indie City and, and other things, um, and recently joined a, a real firm. <laughs> um, and we can talk about that later if you like. Um, you know, mostly you know showing up, getting no people, and then word of mouth kind of picks up, and it's also very nice uh, when I get an email or a call from someone saying, "Oh, I got a referral from from so and so who said you you helped him out, and I'm looking for." some help with this thing like fantastic i'd be glad to help very cool or somebody in the chicagoland area saying i heard you on a video game podcast yes even better <laughs> which would be cool so um so you've been so you started doing this and it's really fantastic and i had a question and i totally blanked on it because recording this on a saturday morning okay well, well you had you know it's mostly indies you had said and uh it, it is i mean i'd take anybody if nintendo really wanted uh, to hire outside counsel i'd be all over that um but but uh, by and large, it's indie game developers, um, mostly Chicago area, just because that's where I am and that's who I know. Um, but and I, I like to say, you know, I'm here to help out with all the stuff you need to know that you really have no reason to ever know. Yeah, you know, the reason I the reason I initially thought like we should have a conversation on this podcast is cuz I don't know if it was a, it was it may have been last year when we la- one of the times when we spoke, but you said at some point you get really the same questions all the time or something along the lines yes, of Yes, oh, I I have I think at the time it was probably the the standard contract I was writing for a lot of people, just basic um, independent contractor work for hire. Say, oh, I'm I'm doing a game. I need to hire somebody to do the music, or I need help with programming, or you know, someone's gonna you know do do some nice title screen artwork or something, and I need a contract for that. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. And, and but so well, then we get into some some questions like, okay, well, do do you have a company, and who's gonna own this product? Oh, well, yeah, I got an just did an LLC by myself on like rocket lawyer or something. Never do that. By the way, listeners just don't what? <laughs> never do what? Ne- ne- never go to like rocket lawyer, legal zoom and get their bare bones, you know, one size fits all incorporation service. Cause w- one size never fits all in these cases. Okay. So video game, <laughs> video game stuff is a bit more. Well, just generally, I think, I mean, if you, you go out and you, start a company and there are default provisions for you know, in Illinois law that say, okay, well, if you don't have any sort of agreement bylaws, if you're a corporation to the contrary, you are working under X, Y, and Z rules. And those rules are probably not, I'm sure all of them will not work for anyone. And most of them will not work for you in particular. <laughs> So, Whoever you might be. Okay, so if you're talking employment contracts, if you're trying to open a studio, maybe, or mm-hmm. try to contract things out, even you think that there should you you should specifically try to find somebody that's in the field uh, that that can advise on that. That's a good idea. Someone who who kind of knows the ins and outs, but also just more generally. I mean, you you don't might not want, you know, whatever. Illinois law has to say about a particular thing. I mean, there are default provisions; they exist by default, you know, if if you need them, but you will probably want something more tailored to whatever business you're doing. Like maybe you are working with somebody and you're going to want to get out of the business more easily than the standard statutory provisions will allow. Or maybe you don't want anyone to get out as easily as it might allow. And so you don't necessarily want to just Go. And, and 
I, I know things like Rocket Lore and whatnot, they can kind of let you tailor things a little bit. Like I, I've seen some of the like fill in the blank forms they kind of have, but I think it's a good idea not only to, to have something tailored to you, but also there are different kinds of business entities corporation there's an llc a limited liability company there are various kinds of partnerships and all of these different things and they they what do i want to say they do different things um <laughs> you know a corporation is not an llc an llc is not a limited partnership um and they all allow you to do different things they, they, they operate differently and they have different things you have to do and different you know, ways things are normally set up and some are easier or harder to get out of or get into and allow you to have different rights in the company. Um, and so figuring that out is really the, the first thing. And may, maybe, you know, the basic default corporation is what you want, and that's fine. But you should at least talk to someone and figure that out because I'm pretty sure most people listening couldn't tell you a difference between a partnership in a corporation, yeah, let alone I, the differences. I definitely could not do that. Uh, but that, so, but if I'm, if I, all right, let's say I'm a guy. Let's start from square one. Okay, let's start from square one. Let's say I'm. Hi, I'm Sam. <laughs> well, okay, not that, not, not that square one, but but close. But okay. let's say I'm making a video game. Mm-hmm. Let's say I, uh, I in my living room, I've got my own little dev kit. I'm setting up, and I, I start to build it, and then it's getting to where I'm starting to beta test, and maybe I want to put it on Steam, or maybe I want to bring on some other people. But I'm just some guy, and maybe I work. Uh, full time somewhere, and I don't know, I've got a decent job, but this is a, a spare time thing. I don't have a ton of money. Maybe I've got a family, mm-hmm. and I've got to kind of worry about feeding the family before all this. And and I, of course, legal fees can be expensive. But at what point does it make sense? At what point do I need to look at what I'm doing and and my projects and my intellectual content and say like, okay, I need to contact a lawyer and make this a thing before I go to the next step? Like, what is that? Well, obviously, I say this with some amount of self-interest, but the, the when you really want to do it is like before you have anything to start with. <laughs> I mean, really, really, and and I will say uh, I can be very generous with my time and legal fees. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I, I know a lot. Of, a lot of my clients, not all, but but definitely some of them are in that kind of a situation. Uh, either you know this is just a side project for them or like they just got out of school and maybe they got a decent bit of funding but they're also still kind of broke and trying to put something out um and so i understand that and you really do need to get some basic things figured out and taken care of you know early on even before i mean even before making anything Pretty much. Uh, well, let me... I, I have three basic things I think you should have when starting out. One, you know, figure out what the company is going to be. If you even need a company, you can just do it on your own, and you're a sole proprietorship, it's called. Um, and that's not great, because that means it's just you, and if you screw up and someone sues you, they c- can take all your assets, because there's no company. Oh. Uh, unlike, you know, your house is on the line if you screw up. I mean, you'd have to screw up pretty badly for uh, <laughs> sure. for someone to be able to to take your house, but I mean that's you know, in theory possible. Unlike a corporation where the the company is technically considered a separate person, and so if they're going to sue sue the company for having screwed up, it's the company's assets, and whatever you put in the company 
you can lose, but unless you somehow gave the company your house, don't do that. Uh, you will not lose your house. <laughs> Gosh, okay, that makes uh, a lot of sense. And, and so just you know, f- and like I said m- maybe it does make sense to to not have anything set up, um, depending on what you're doing. Um, maybe it makes sense to have a corporation uh, if you're working if you're working with anyone else on like a significant basis. Like you're gonna work together. This will be both of your game and. You're going to share the profits and everything. You are a partnership. You don't have to do anything. The law says, boom, you're a partnership. And that's a general partnership. And that's usually a bad place to be. I've done it once before. It was very unique circumstances. I don't recommend it generally. So if you're working with someone else on a prolonged basis, definitely uh, come talk to me and we'll get this figured out. Um, But like I said, I understand people don't have a lot of money, but... I still want people to be able to go to a lawyer and get some of this stuff figured out because it is really important. And if you screw it up, you can really, really screw yourself later on. Uh, I have not seen anyone do that yet, although I did just finish digging someone out of a trademark hole they had dug themselves into pretty badly. Uh-oh. Um, it, got, it got resolved the very last moment because uh, somebody else unrelated but we needed them to help and they were not being helpful until the last minute but anyway uh be that as it may um i get it we, we can work it out i mean if you're just starting off don't have a lot of money we'll figure something out sure uh, there's also a group called lawyers for the creative arts here in chicago area and they do you know artists be it, you know painters filmmakers singers comedians video game makers um, if you are dead broke and you need legal assistance, um, you can contact them and they will you know, try to get you hooked up with a lawyer for either pro bono work or reduced fee if you have a little bit too much money. Ah, and what, what's the name of that group again? Lawyers for the Creative Arts. Lawyers for the Creative Arts. I can probably get you a link if you want to post it with the with Very, stuff with the podcast. Well, the nice thing up. the nice thing about podcasts is that presumably people have a computer if they're yeah, accessing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah. so hopefully search for it in your uh, search engine of choice. Yes, exactly. Uh, very nice being agnostic with the search engine of choice <laughs> as opposed to using a G word as yeah. a verb, which many people do. That is a trademark. Yeah, not a verb. Well, look at that. <laughs> look at that. I also don't care because they haven't hired me yet. Right. Well, there's that as well. Um, yeah. I would imagine Chicago's a pretty pla- good place uh, for a- an organization like that that hooks up broke creative people. Yeah. With, yeah with... I, I, I've helped people out um, through LCA uh, before and, you know. I have nothing bad to say about it. Cool, awesome, um, and and I've only, I've only, my sample size is very low, though very small. Mm-hmm. So maybe there are crazy people out there, but I've only had uh, decent, uh, helpful people. So there's that. Like I said uh, I'm willing to to cut people a break because I know money is tight, and I understand that all too well. <laughs> uh, let me assure you. And you know, I only ask once you have a smash hit game and have millions of dollars come back to me and I'll charge you more <laughs> that sounds great um, that's, so that's really cool interesting especially about the the sole proprietorship versus a partnership like yeah. all those things make a lot of a lot of really good sense yeah. so and the sole proprietorship you said in case it gets sued like it's a really great idea because you that, could that, that's that's just you you know doing stuff on your own you don't file anything with anybody you're just doing it right and that that risk is maybe you made a game in good faith you haven't done any 
anything wrong, but all of a sudden someone else comes at you and says, hey, that's exactly like my game. Right. And they make a case and you may not have known anything about it, but all of a sudden then, well, <laughs> you're I'm, losing everything. In theory, you will win that lawsuit because copyrights don't, don't have to be new. They have to be original to you. That means you didn't copy someone else wrongly. And if you made it up all on your own, that's called independent creation. Uh, if you did that, then in theory, you should win your copyright suit. Now, that will not stop you from getting sued. And someone will say, wow, you made my exact game. You clearly ripped me off. And then you're going to be in litigation for a couple of years while you sort this out. Right. And in theory, you should come up on top, but only after having paid legal fees and court costs and whatnot for a year and a half to get this all resolved. So... Um, there's, I don't know what to say about that. Yes. Yeah, so even Other if they don't take careful. your house, they still may take quite a lot of money and things like that. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. It, it all depends on how it all plays out. You know, I, I hate to say, you know, the lawyers will take everything, but I mean, unless you're getting, uh, you know, pro bono litigation work or you know, very reduced fees, you know, I also have to eat. So I'm going to charge you of course. To, 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 to come in and you know, negotiate or appear in court or whatever you have going on. Um, a couple other things, you know, to, to have, you know, right away. Um, one is, as I mentioned earlier, the, the independent contractor agreement. Uh, when it comes to copyrights, uh, typically whoever makes whatever thing in question, you know, programs this piece or makes this drawing or sings this song uh, is the author of that piece of content. And they have certain rights. And you can give all those rights away to the person who's making the full game um but normally that that's fine but there is a, a little wrinkle that was added in in the 1976 copyright act it says 35 years after you give an author gives away any right whatsoever in his work he has the right to take that back really now, now and that that was b because people would you know, starving artists would sign i mean think of superman you know they, apparently they got a hundred bucks for for superman and that was you know the rights to superman for they, the movie rights no for, no i mean when Stephen schuster made superman comics i think they were paid like a hundred bucks and they gave it like all their rights I'm, I'm probably not getting this all the details right but it was something like that and then they said wow superman's making you know billions of dollars now I, I want to get some of that back. And it's been in litigation uh, probably since about that time. Are you serious? I, I'm serious. No, it was like within the last couple of years, there was another um, decision coming out ruling on the validity of certain agreements because, you know, they were they were broke and they were trying to make ends meet. And a hundred bucks was a lot more money back then than it is now. Um, not I take a hundred bucks anyway, but uh <laughs> But and that was it. And then they had no more rights in that. And it was the company that owned everything from there on after. And and then, OK, what do you do? You, you've given away everything. You have nothing left. So it was cases like that. And there were you know, a lot more than that um, that got Congress to say, OK, well, the little guy's kind of getting stepped on. Let's put this piece in as we're writing the new Copyright Act. And, you know, a lot of indie games, you know, are you going to be selling a copy of the thing you're working on now in 35 years? I don't know. You should be so lucky to, to have even that much. Yeah. But, you know, um, Donkey Kong is 34 years old this year. 
imagine if you could get back the rights to the game Donkey Kong, also the character Donkey Kong and the character Mario. Uh, imagine how much Nintendo would pay you to get to keep those rights. And if you're picturing Scrooge McDuck diving into a money bin, you're probably not too far off. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's out there. Uh, and so there is, uh, in certain situations, uh, this is the tip for the uh, game studios, not not the independent contractors. Um, there is a way you can get, uh, have the company, and even just you, you can be deemed, you are the company as a sole proprietorship, um, but the company can be deemed the original author of certain works, and then whoever made it for you gets his $100 check and goes away and has nothing left anyway. And one of those things is for audiovisual works like movies and ga- video games. And But uh, there is some disagreement as to when you have to have the contract signed. Hmm. Uh, d- different cr- appellate courts have different opinions on that. And do we need to get into federal jurisdiction? I don't know. We can <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, certain regions of the country are under the authority of certain court so in illinois uh it's the seventh circuit court of appeals is right here in chicago uh in new york it's the second circuit california has the ninth circuit gotcha uh, and they get to pretty much do whatever they want unless the supreme court tells them otherwise wow um but so seventh circuit here uh covers illinois indiana and wisconsin they've determined last i checked that you have to have a signed agreement before the contractor starts working and if you have that agreement where he says, yes, this is a work for hire and I'm an independent contractor and the studio gets all the rights, is the author, uh, then you're good. But it has to be signed, agreed and signed in writing uh, before you start working. Uh, the second circuit in New York, I believe, again, last I checked, had said, okay, well, you have to agree this is a work for hire, but you can get around to sign the contract later. It doesn't have to all be there in black and white right away, but you have to have the agreement and you have to sign it eventually. So... There's some disagreement, um, depending on where you live, on when that's signed. But obviously, best practice is sign it right now and then let them start. Sure. And that's why it's important to get a lawyer in your area who's familiar with your right. particular local laws. Right. Um, so, so having having that contract ready to go before you you start having someone work on your game is a good idea. Also, just generally, you know... I know a lot of people, especially in Chicago, it's a pretty close community for the indie scene. And people might be willing, you know, a handshake and a smile and everything works out fine. Uh, And I don't want to disagree with that or dissuade people in any way. But even if you don't think, and you're right, that nothing bad is going to happen, you're not going to start fighting and suing each other, it's just generally a good idea to get it written down so you can remember, okay, when was I supposed to (laughs) do it? What did we say I had to do? Oh, that's right. It's right here in section three. Now yeah. I remember what he wanted. Absolutely. We have a uh, Karen Conti on the Brian Noonan show on WGN radio every Sunday. And she, every, you know, I've been working on the show for years and every night that we get calls with legal questions, every single night I'm reminded. And she says, at least at one point, get it in writing. Right. Always have it in writing. And that doesn't necessarily mean a, a 20 clause contract, but even in right. email or even writing a letter and having proof of that. Right. Like anything in writing. Because also people just forget stuff. Like I said, you could say, no, I, I was supposed to do X. And no, no, no. You said you do Y. No, I didn't. Yes, I did. But then you can look. No, see here. It says Y. Oh, you're right. Sorry. I'll get on that now. And those are those hold up in court, right? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. So if there's a case or, you know, worst case scenario. If it comes to, you know, he wants to really be a jerk about it, then you say, no, you, you, here, you signed right here on the line and you said you'd do X, Y, and Z and you didn't. And I had to spend $2,000 fixing your mistake, so give me that money back now. Yeah, and even an email is admissible in court, right? Yes. Um, it, it may, in fact, be a contract if you have all the proper elements, which are not hard to do. But if, even if it just said, you know, yes, he said he would write this piece of music for me and it would be two and a half minutes long. Look, look, he said as much right here. Is that your email address, sir? Yes, it is. Boom. Great. Yeah. Evidence. Yeah. Good to know. Very good to know. Well, hopefully when people are working on video, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of written communication when people yes. are working, collaborating on video games if they don't have their own studio and mm-hmm. everything like that. And even if they do, there's probably a lot of emails floating around. Oh, yeah. So in the event that, let, let's say that some mm-hmm. guy had made Donkey Kong mm-hmm. and suddenly next year... Nintendo is like, oh, we no longer have the rights to this, or he takes it back. Yeah, but you have there are a certain timing. There's a window of time beforehand where you have to send the proper notice. Okay. So um, but but let's 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 say you know that was taken care of, and now, yeah, now next year, um, Mr. Miyamoto gets Donkey Kong back. Sure, and, and this so clearly this is a very made up scenario. Yeah, oh yeah, but, absolutely. But just no. as an example, let's say that uh, that the Miyamoto is like, okay, I want the rights back or whatever. Nintendo no longer has them. Then what happens from there? Like, what would Nintendo have to do next year? Can they? Do they just have to stop making all Donkey Kong, pull all the digital copies? Um, and- no, I mean they had a valid, they had valid rights, you know, for you know, to use Mario and Donkey Kong and every everybody because Mario is a part of Donkey Kong and he is that's where he his first game was that and then, you know, he appears in Super Mario Brothers and everything else. Those are derivative works from him appearing there probably i mean at some point you've gotten a long chain of derivative works going back probably to donkey kong um you know N- nintendo you know, validly had the rights to make all those games but now going forward if they you know want to do mario galaxy 3 they better go back to Miyamoto and get the rights back interesting okay and, and we'll pay scrooge mcduck money bins uh, <laughs> to do it gotcha okay makes sense this is all uh this is it of course it's all very complicated yeah. because i'm sure there <laughs> that's the kind of thing where there are so many different factors that they get into play so i'm an indie developer and i've gone to you and i've decided and, and well you you didn't we didn't really expound on um the partnerships and why partnerships can go wrong a lot of times i'm guessing it's just because oh it's it's, it's one of those default provisions uh, a general partnership is like a sole proprietorship in that you know, you're on the hook for everything. But not only that, the company, the partnership is its own entity, but every partner is liable for all the debts of the partnership. So if we form a partnership to start a general partnership to start a game, there are limited partnerships and limited liability partnerships and limited liability, limited partnerships. It just gets ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> the number of L's you can tack on in front of the right. P. But um, <clears throat> general partnership, you know, you can sign a contract, you know, take out a loan for a million dollars, or you can be driving on your way to pick up advertising proofs and you run over a toddler and then, you know, you're, we're, we're, the company is getting sued for a million dollars and you're on the hook for a million dollars, but the company, because you were doing that, you know, and that's company business, the company is liable for that business. And guess what? Okay, you sue the company 
and you get a judgment against the company, and now I'm a general partner in the company, I'm on the hook for a million dollars too. Yeah, that's not fun. That's not fun. No. <laughs> um, so if you so you definitely uh, should not do that, unless the circumstances are pretty weird. As I said, I had a pretty weird case where it it did make sense to do that, and I will not expound on that at all. Sure. Um, confidentiality. Confidentiality. Very professional. Um, <clears throat> But but generally, you don't want to be there. Um, so you want to set up some sort of limited liability entity, whatever that is. Or if you're comfortable flying solo and, you know, you don't have to worry about your partner doing something, not even like malicious, but just negligent. And sure. then, then the company is on the hook for your house. Sure. <laughs> you know. Which no you, one wants to lose their you, house. You don't want to be there. So, <laughs> General, so generally, um, as a general get rule. Get that figured out. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so so uh, so we've talked about the types of companies and establishing that and the importance of that, which is that's really cool information. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to me. So if it makes sense to me, it's going to make sense to a whole lot of people. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> I'm quite unqualified for all of this. But uh, so that's the first step, really. And then once they get into the game making and things like that, what can they do to proactively protect against? somebody in Vietnam or somebody in Thailand stealing their... Right. Well, there's... Unfortunately, I mean, don't... It's really kind of a catch-22. The the more you publish and put things out there, the more people will notice you and want to maybe buy your game and get interested. On the other hand, because it's all on the internet and that's really easy to copy, um, the more someone can copy your stuff and steal it. And so... um, there's really not a good way around that except to kind of be on the lookout and be ready to send a nasty letter to Apple <laughs> when, sure. when things come up. Um, I mean, mostly the law is in place. You know, hopefully we want people to obey the law and, and not do bad things. Right. Um, and when that doesn't happen, the law is there also so you can take someone to court and make it right hopefully um but again that that probably you're not going to want to do it by yourself you'll want someone who has done this before and kind of knows how things work um and so then you get into legal fees now a nice thing um another good point i should bring up um when it comes to copyright um you and this one thing didn't work for my friend mostly because it was coming in vietnam and good luck getting a hold of them at all right I mean, you're not going to go she was a, a housewife in wisconsin couldn't go out to vietnam and, and start a lawsuit there right they didn't have any assets in the united states you could you know just go down to a local court and, and file suit except maybe the money apple was holding for profits on the game anyway but so I mean, you just couldn't get anything out of them anyway but if you once you publish something and publish does not in copyright law, it does not mean what a human being would think by the term publish. <laughs> but uh, basically, once you have offered it for sale, and this is this is something, publication, something like copyright lawyers and Congress don't still have a good handle on sometimes. Um, so definitely don't try to figure it out on your own. But basically, uh, when you finish a game and you put it up on Steam, Steam or Nintendo or, yeah. or whatever you're doing, um, you have three months to get your game the copyright uh, to file it with the copyright office and get the copyright registered and if you do that you get a bunch of nice perks like if someone infringes your copyright you 
can get your attorney's fees back, generally speaking. So really? in, instead of you, know, you having to pay me, you know, a couple hundred dollars an hour to litigate, you can make the other guy pay $200 an hour for me to litigate against him. And that's nice. You can also elect for statutory damages instead of whatever you can actually prove of your actual damages. Like, you know, what was my friend losing when a free-to-play game, you know, gets ripped off? Not a whole lot, probably. I mean, or if there was some loss, it'd be really hard to put an actual number on that. Sure. But if you have the copyright registered uh, beforehand, you can elect statutory damages, which it starts at $750 per infringement, which means per copy. Wow. So if you sell a thousand copies in iTunes, you know, the minimum you're getting is a thousand times 750 bucks. And if it's willful infringement, um, especially if it's something outright malicious, uh, it, it balloons quite a bit. So you can get over a million dollars for someone ripping off your game that you offered for free. Potentially. Wow. <laughs> um, so that's another thing. Uh, it's really it's really not that hard uh, to do. It's pretty cheap. So, I mean, when you're ready, and people will often ask, oh, so we, we want to get the copyright. Well, have a product first. Now, if, if you're getting ripped off, there are, all, there are other provisions. We can register whatever you had because it hasn't been published yet. The law really likes when the actual author publishes it first. Go figure. Sure. Imagine <laughs> that. Makes some sense. Um, and so if you find out, you know, you got ripped off before you've actually been able to finish the game and publish it, um, you also have some time in there to get things on file and then go after them and and slap them down. Um, so, again, call me. Uh, <laughs> happy to help. Um, what happens if, if you publish a game and then two weeks later someone's ripped it off and listed it on iTunes and you haven't filed the copyright yet? Oh, you have you have three months. So you have three well, months. It's, it's three months. And they're, again, some of these time provisions, I don't remember exactly, and they're not always carefully laid out. They, they can vary, yeah. Uh, um, if you're listening, but, this is not completely official legal advice. Yeah, some d- kind d- of disclaimer. Dis- disclaimer. <laughs> this is not intended as legal advice. This is merely information. Uh, please call me and we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> How can people reach you? You should, I guess uh, we yeah, should. Um, What's your uh, preferred method of contact? Uh, email is fine. Um, I You can either send it to a neon orange knight at gmail. It's knight with a K. Uh, K-N-I-G-H-T, neononorangenight at gmail.com, or my super official sounding work email address is Sam Castry, like my name, at CrawfordPatents.com. Patent. Patents. P-A-T-E-N-T. S. S. More than one patent. <laughs> yes, multiple patents. Um, so that that's probably the easiest way Cool, great. So send Sam an email, yeah, if you want some uh, official advice. These are generally applicable, everything that you're saying. Right, I mean, yeah, and I I apologize, I don't remember exactly all the intricacies of timing on registration and and all that, but generally I can just pull up the Copyright Act and look. Sure, but And if there's some weird question, and there usually is, I can figure it out. Sure, or, or like my make a good guess. Like my weird question, like is it retroactive? If someone rips off after two weeks, but you don't file for a month, then right. yes, it still will protect yes. you. Yes, great. You'll, you'll, again, there, there are provision. I think it's like a month from infringement or three months after publication, and there are some wrinkles here and there. But generally, but you want to file for that copyright. You don't want to put it off. You don't want to put it off and say, "Oh, hey." I mean, by all means, reach out to them and say, "Hey, take that down." But 
and maybe they'll just say, oh, whoops, sorry, Did, didn't realize that was yours because stuff winds up on the internet, mm-hmm. you know, and oh, that that's a cool looking sprite. Stuff on the internet's free, right? No. <laughs> no. I There's, you know the uh, troll face icon that's all over the place? On the oh, internet? yeah. Uh, someone owns that. And he sued to have it taken out of a game called Meme Run, which was apparently an atrocious work of not so much art uh, <laughs> that existed out there. But he said, no, I drew troll face. That's mine. You didn't talk to me about it. And you're charging people for this game. Stop. And how'd that go? Uh, not well for the guy who made Meme Run. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, that that's no longer uh, in the stores now. No longer available. <laughs> um, anyway, but so where were we going with this? Uh, the point is, yeah, I mean, if possible, you can send a letter and say, hey, that's mine, take it down. He'll say, whoops, sorry, and take it down. That's fine. Um, it's also quite possible to say, no, screw you. What are you going to do? Sue me? And then you'll... Talk to me, and then we'll similarly say yes. I think we will. <laughs> sure, but but in cases like the, the Vietnam one that you mentioned, yeah. I, I and I know this from from my job, which has nothing to do with any of this whatsoever. Sure. But there have been some infringements overseas mm-hmm. with with some brands that I've worked with, and that's that gets real complicated really fast. Yes, because of that's... international law and things like that. So once that happens, let's say a Chicago game designer comes to you and says, hey, someone in Russia has ripped off my game. What happens then? <sighs> OK, <Here's... laughs> you sound very thrilled about this. <laughs> no, I mean, because mm, a lot of countries, not every country, but a lot of countries have reciprocal agreements where we'll say, OK, I'll recognize your copyrights. You'll recognize my copyrights. We're cool with that, right? <clears throat> and but I mean, you still, if you want to, you can send them a letter. You can say, "Hey, that's mine. Please take it down." And again, maybe they'll say, "Okay, sorry," and that you're done. Um, probably they won't. In my experience, and so it then it depends if if they're in Russia and they don't own anything here in the U.S. Filing. I mean, you can still f- try to file. A U.S. lawsuit. I mean, there's a couple of ways you could go about. It. You could just go to Russia and and, tr- and sue them there. Yeah, um, <laughs> let's all hop on a plane. <laughs> I mean, that's just really difficult. I mean, because you have to, you know, you don't, probably don't speak Russian, and you're going to try to find a lawyer in Russia who will deal with this, and then you're going to have to pay a lawyer in Russia to deal with this, and maybe that works. Which, to be fair, would be much cheaper than probably hiring a lawyer anywhere because the because uh, <laughs> their currency isn't doing anyway. real hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, another track to take is you start a lawsuit here and then you have to go about trying to formally serve the the Russian ripoff artist with uh, notice that hey there's a lawsuit against you better come defend it here and he won't and then you get a judgment by default then you have to take that piece of paper signed by an American judge over to Russia and say look I have this piece of paper can I get my love now and I don't know how to enforce a judgment in Russia. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest. Uh, and so, I mean, that that's a, probably a track you could take in theory. Uh, again, you know, you'd have to, and then you have to find out who, who this person is anyway. Sure. I mean, it's up on a website. He's probably not going to have his name on it. I mean, maybe if it's like with my friend, the co- Vietnamese company had, you know, it was a company name. You could find who they were. Uh, this is not the only thing they had ripped off and put up <laughs> At iTunes, even, um, but you can figure out who they were. But you know, so that that part was kind of easy. 
I mean, if this is just some person who posts something to a website yeah. somewhere, I mean, then you have to figure out also who is this person and where is he and what am I going to do? Sure, sure. <laughs> I have this nice piece of paper. I have to go through you know, lots of legal processes in a foreign country to figure this out. Sure. But this is where some of the larger distributors could come in handy because, again, like iTunes is based in the U.S. Steam is based in mm-hmm. the U.S. So... I mean, if it's something like, you know, it's up on Steam and somebody posts your game or a knockoff of your game, you can go to Steam. This is getting back to uh, Digital Millennium Copyright Act, DMCA. You can send a letter and say, that's mine. Take it down. And then they need to take it down or they risk getting sued by you. And then they're distributing to distribute all those copies. Sure. And then you sue them for, for all the nice damages and legal fees. Um, so, you know, you say steam, hate, take that down, please. And hopefully Valve will say, okay. Uh, now there, there is uh, also provision where the person who posted the thing originally can send a, a counter notice and say, no, that, no, that should be up there put it back up and sue me if that's a problem other guy and then you then you know steam would would put it back have to put it back up and then you would have to go to court and and sue the other guy interesting didn't something similar to that happen with candy crush saga i'm not sure candy Candy crush Crush had a lot of problems i don't know that that's one of them Good old King Digital. I remember yeah. their, their IPO came out and I thought about it. And I was like, well, I got one game. <laughs> Not sure I want to play some of my bets on a company with one game. Do they even have any other games yet? They have a lot of games, actually. And this is what came up um, a couple of years ago when they tried to get a trademark on the word Saga and also the word Candy. <sighs> you remember that? Because now, <laughs> now I have to say, as someone who deals with trademarks on a daily basis... People didn't understand what they were doing. And I, I hate to defend Candy Crush in any way, but I have to because people said things like, oh, the trademark in candy, I mean, I can't sell candy anymore. What is it? No, because that's not how trademarks work. Tra- trademarks are you have a certain mark for a certain set of goods and services. And how protectable that is depends on what you're selling. So candy for candy is generic and therefore not protectable in any way whatsoever. Sure. Um, so... You could still sell candy and any kind of candy you want and never run into that trademark, which I think they took it down because everyone said that's stupid and we hate you. And they said, this is a bad PR move. We'll just take it down. I think that's how it went. Oh, interesting. Okay. But <clears throat> what they were trying to get candy for video games. And that's completely different. Like Apple computers doesn't mean you can't sell apples in a fruit store. <laughs> right? <laughs> and it also doesn't mean you can't have apple plumbing or apple lingerie or something it's apple for computers and probably two dozen other things as well but you know i apple probably doesn't offer plumbing services so if you really want to be apple plumbers that's a thing you could maybe do um so that's not (laughs) it was not quite as bad as people made it out to be now when they tried to trademark saga again what they were going for is they have a bunch of game you know candy crush saga um mahjong saga bubble saga or something like that a bunch of with the end in saga sure and they said oh, look we have called a family of trademarks where you have some piece of your name in every like mcdonald's you know mcdonald's mccafe mcmuffin mcnugget 
McPrefix is the the family name of this family of trademarks. And if you want to be McDentistry, people might and people are confused about whether you're affiliated with McDonald's. And this did actually happen. I'm not making this up. This is a real case. Um, they can come in and say, no, look at all these Mick items we have. People think your McDonald's brand dentistry. Stop it. Interesting. And then they had to stop it. Stop being McDentist. Um, so they said, look, we have all these saga games. We want a family of trademarks on saga. Now, the problem with that is, one... There are a lot of other saga games out there. Yeah, Saga Frontier. Saga Frontier and all those games. Um, Banner Saga was one that really... I think I kicked off because uh, Banner Saga is an actual strategy RPG about Vikings. Like an actual <laughs> Icelandic saga in the literal sense of the term. And they wanted to trademark that name. And then King came along and said, no, we have these, we have these saga games. You don't get to be saga. And they said, what? Yeah. <laughs> and... and they wanted to file a trademark on Saga for video games, and that that doesn't work too well because no one tra- trademarks are so you and your business and your brand can be recognized by the co- the consumer. You know, you you know, you want a Pepsi, you go buy someone that says Pepsi on it. You don't want something else in that Pepsi can. You want Pepsi because you like Pepsi, and darn, you're gonna have a Pepsi. Sure. Um, or if you you don't want a Pepsi, so you buy. Coke or RC or whatever else instead. Um, and so Pepsi has a legitimate interest and people want Pepsi and they know what they're getting and they should be able to control what goes in that Pepsi can and not have other people slapping Pepsi on turpentine. And sure. that's bad. Sure, <laughs> that makes it. sense. Um, and people get upset and say, Pepsi, what are you doing? And say, that's not us. We didn't do that. Someone tricked you. And we don't want the average consumer getting tricked. Right. Or anyone that- getting tricked. Um, and so that's what a trademark protects is your, the goodwill and reputation in a particular name. Um, and, but no one associates Saga just with King cause there are two dozen, probably a lot more other games, uh, the Saga in the title, yeah. uh, before they even came on the scene or before they started trying to register these things. Uh, also I'm not really sure how strong Saga is for video games, uh, cause the, the more unrelated to your product a trademark is, the stronger it is. Like Apple for computers has nothing to do with computers, so that's really strong. Um, Apples for apples is not at all. You know, Apple Mart for a fruit stand is probably not protectable because it's very descriptive and very obvious what you're doing there. Or sure. like yummy apples. Sure. You know, everyone wants to say their apples are yummy and... <laughs> Um, or you say, no, our apples are disgusting. This is very arbitrary. Uh, and then we get into, oh, so you're deceiving the consumers. All right, great. We won't register this anyway. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but so I don't think Saga, e- even if you know Candy Crush is really nothing resembling a Saga in any way, shape, or form. Really, yeah. I, I don't think you can really stop people from calling your Viking epic a Saga, because yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, so I also think that one got... got uh, was abandoned when people said we hate you, King. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would think that wouldn't. <laughs> and go they over. said, okay, well, you know, never mind. Yeah, I would think that wouldn't go over too well. So I've been playing Metal Gear Solid Five: uh-huh. Phantom Pain, which is unbelievable. Okay, actually, I reviewed it in our last episode. But in that game, you use a device called an iDroid, mm-hmm. 
which I think is funny because it kind of matches up Apple right. and Android, right? But uh, I'm presuming Apple has a trademark on a lowercase i as a prefix. I've actually looked in that earlier, and there are actually a bunch of other things that have an i in front. Really? Not, I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know how much Apple is controlling that, and they might at this point they might be able to to, to come in. But I, I've seen other things that also. Generally, I've seen opinions from either courts or the trademark office where that is generally just to inter- indicate internet. Really, like E, little little E is electronic. Sure. Um, I'm again. I don't remember exactly offhand, and I, I couldn't like cite you the page in a particular case or something. But also, getting more to point, they're not actually selling an iDroid. You know, Metal Gear Solid oh, okay. is not. Um, this has, has come up in a couple of different cases I can think of in the last couple of years. What's the product? Video game. They're they're not selling, you know, a, a phone or a, a music player or, sure. or anything. It's it's a made up product in a video game. What's what's the product Konami is selling? Video, a video game. Sure, but it doesn't damage the integrity of the brand or anything. I don't. I don't think so. Generally, I'm, that wouldn't be a, an arguable case. I mean, if you're if you're obviously trying to, I mean, you you can do things you know like slight variations for parody or or whatever, and that, sure. that's a whole other thing. I mean, if if it was you know, drink Pepsi, <laughs> you know, for example, and you have Snake knocking back a Pepsi, and Pepsi didn't authorize that, they might be able to to say, hey, cut that out. I'm sure they'd actually love for for that to happen. Sure, they would have no problem. But I mean, in theory, they could say no. We didn't have any control over that. Cut it out. Um, whether an iDroid is close enough to something Apple and is not recognized by the average consumer as sort of a parody or or other joke or mashup, you know, maybe. Sure. But but when we're talking trademarks. We're talking the ordinary consumer and what he thinks, because we want to protect him from getting confused. And we also want to protect, as well, the company from, you know, having turpentine in a Pepsi can or something. Sure, sure, definitely. And I've, I've been in enough independent or student films to know that you're supposed to block any logo that appears. So if you're all sitting around drinking a bunch of cans of Coke, they'll wrap it with paper sure. or things like that. So I know that's quite the rabbit hole in terms of when you use a brand in something. Right. But generally, if you're an independent game developer, you just probably want to avoid using brand names in your... I, I Generally, but I did hear one time... Uh, I'd forget what it was, and this was, you know, through a colleague who was working on someone else's game um, as a lawyer. But they wanted, you know, for an authentic downtown cityscape kind of feel, you know, p- put in a few actual logos. You know, McDonald's logo here, and Mobile over here, and Burger King over here, and and someone said, no, don't put in like three or four. Put in like fifty, because you want if you have. And I don't know whether this would hold up. This is just something I heard, an amusing anecdote. But if you have like a hundred different companies' logos, then you can make the case, no, see, this is just to get the feel of a downtown urban area. Mm. Where if you just have McDonald's and BP and that's it, then we're going to say, okay, well, I would normally think, okay, McDonald's paid them a bunch to put that in there. And, you know, I hate this game, so I'm not going to buy McDonald's anymore. And McDonald's had nothing to do with it, and then they get upset. But if McDonald's is one of a hundred different logos in a downtown Chicago setting, kind of setting, um, 
I heard someone making the argument, you know, in passing that that would be more just to recreate recreate the feel of of a downtown urban area. Um, but generally, no, don't 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 start doing that. Sure. <laughs> that, I mean, that that's an untested legal argument that I think is probably valid, but you'd probably still get sued by somebody. And it's and untested. That, and it's untested. So we don't know what a court might say about it. Um, so if you'd like to experiment with what a, <laughs> what a court right. might say, if McDonald's sues you. And, and the, the other thing is, unlike a student film where you have a can of Mountain Dew because that's what you had on hand, you take a drink, you know, that's just what happened to be there in the background. Or you're walking downtown and, you know, it's a billboard for, for something. And it was there because you were walking downtown. That's where the billboard is. Um, that doesn't happen in video games. If if you have a billboard with McDonald's on it, you did you did that. That's very so, deliberate. So so you had to do that because someone programmed that M right there in that spot. Yeah, it wasn't someone else. It was you. You did that. Yeah, you added the art <laughs> asset specifically. So, so so or you know, the, you were the company. You did that. So you know. Be careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's really clever ways around it too, especially in like Watch Dogs, which is set in a similar city to Chicago, right. and and even GTA. A lot of games that use really similar looking logos, yeah. but GTA got sued by a strip club in California for for having a similar sounding name to them. It, it was a rip. I was a parody, but it was you know the whole thing was supposed to be it was L.A. Right? I think. I I don't one of the games was in LA. Right. Um anyway, so it was supposed to be LA and they had, you know, recreated the, you know, probably I don't know entirely is this true, but I think they had, you know, like some of the the streets and everything, you know. Yeah. The urban planning was pretty similar to to how they had in the game and they had, you know, some parody and similar sounding titles to various businesses and one of them happened to be a strip club and they had a similar sounding name strip club in the gta game and the strip club sued them and the court said no <laughs> no one you know this it's not exact you don't have to be exact to cause problems with trademark but there's a no one has heard probably has heard of your strip club first of all but you definitely is not going to think your strip club is a sponsor of gta like that, yeah. that's ridiculous go away <laughs> good <laughs> pretty much and it said you know you there is uh a First Amendment right of expression to depict Los Angeles. I mean, you get to do that because it's a real thing, and you you can't lock up you know, the city. You have a, a right to talk about Los Angeles and show Los Angeles and parody Los Angeles. Absolutely. And, and, and so, so that that, and since no one was confused, absolutely, the First Amendment trumps your your little strip club name. Awesome. Um, there are but, all kinds of, of, of fun examples for video games. Super fun things. And if you yeah. want to hear more of those examples, again, your email address it uh, would be... SamCastry at CrawfordPatents.com. And Castry uh, is C-A-S-T-R-E-E. Correct. Like Two cast E's. and tree combined oh, into one word. Yes, and one T. Yes. Uh, also, NeonOrangeKnight at Gmail. I check that all the time as well. With a K, NeonOrangeKnight. Knight, as it were. Knight, as the French taunter would say. This has been super informative, and I really hope that the listener got some idea of some of the complications that can come into sure. indie developing and the importance of having legal counsel. Right. For and, and legal counsel in terms of if somebody sends you an email, that doesn't automatically mean they get a $500 bill, right? No, I, I mean, no, I don't start charging people until... I actually have them sign the engagement letters saying, yes, I hereby hire you as my lawyer for these things under these terms and conditions and, and whatnot. Now, we have 
in law in general, we have specific ways of doing things. And, sure. Um, I'm more than happy to talk to someone. Um, I, I've have not yet quite been burned by someone talking to me for a bunch of time and then disappearing forever. But it there's been a long stretch of time where I was really worried about that. So we might there might be a bit of a twenty five fifty dollar consultation fee just to talk to me for a while. You know, sit down for an hour and hammer things out or not. We don't generally enforce that. Yeah, but you're not going to... I'll be honest. But, I mean, if you want to sit down and tell me about your problem and I'll see what I can do, um, then we'll sign the engagement letter. Then I'll start billing you. Very cool. Very cool. And um, and I, we actually should probably leave soon because we got to get over to Indie City. Yes. Which... Now, I've never been to an Indie City meeting. You told me about this like a year ago. Okay. And I I have been meaning to go, but I understand it's Indie City Games is the name of the organization? Or Indie I, City Gaming? I, I, I'm, I, I'm not sure. We don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. We're unqualified think, to talk about Indie yeah. City. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's a group of uh, small game developers uh, here in Chicago and I assume surrounding areas. And it's just a place to go in and they have presentations. I have uh, given a talk about intellectual property basics, very basics, uh, <laughs> at, at a meeting before. And, you know, other people... You know, if they just finish a game, you know, come talk about the game and the process post-mortem of, of having made this game or just a whole bunch of different things. They have presenters and then you can show off your stuff for a few minutes or just come and hang out and meet people. I know a lot of people will just kind of work on each other's projects. So you know, if, if you want it or just come talk and, man, I'm really having trouble doing this piece and yeah i know that part sucks i hate it commiserate so a cool little community of indie it's, it's video a good community. game developers yeah. and you uh there to show up sometimes too advise the video game developers as well and me sometimes to probably find people more people to talk to on yeah. this podcast yeah, or just, about. just hang out and see some cool games hopefully that is that is very true as well so um so check out indie just google indie city and i'm sure you'll find yeah. something since that, that we're too. clearly very experts uh very much experts on it <laughs> right but but uh, but there's there's that opportunity as well. But is there anything any FAQs we didn't that we didn't cover any um, final highlights? The, the only other thing I would say, you know, you know, get the business figured out, get the copyright assignment contract figured out, um, trademark search. Um, you really don't want to get, you know, you start a game, you pick a name, you start advertising under that name, and then six months into that, somebody comes and says, "That's my trademark, cut it out." And then you're stuck. Yeah, do a little research <laughs> um, first. So, I mean, there, you don't even have to come and hire a lawyer to do a, a big comprehensive search. Just Google it. And if something else comes up, you know, maybe not use that if it's another video game. Or you can go on to the trademark office, uh, USPTO.gov, click on trademarks, and it's TESS, T-E-S-S, search for your proposed game name. Just do a basic search. That will not that will not in any way clear you to use that name. Let me be very specific on that. But if it if something else comes up for video games or related things, uh, don't use that name anymore. And you you know all about it now, and you've saved having to hire a lawyer and spend a bunch of money on that. Just get a new name right away. Sure, I would advise against calling your next game Assassin's Creed. 
Yeah, okay. Might, yeah. It might be just, in, you know, unless you're Ubisoft. That's Ubisoft, right? Probably. Uh, yes, I believe so. Sure. Yeah. Well, unless you own that. <laughs> you, if, if you're listening and you own Assassin's Creed, you know who you are. And also, thanks for listening. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> call me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Please call Sam if you own Assassin's Creed. He'd love to work with you. Uh, I would. Uh, that is really fantastic. Well, I, I didn't, uh, this was just very interview. I feel like we didn't get to know you very well. That's okay. Uh, are we you playing any games right now? Um, We just got mario maker oh my gosh oh, man are you loving it i'm loving it no um so we uh we had originally gotten splatoon and that was the thing in my house you know uh back end of may uh and my four-year-old son was all over splatoon and so was i and so was my wife <laughs> um, um but then we got mario maker and that's what we're doing now yeah <laughs> uh my son actually made the first level before you know i got a chance to he made a level and um it's actually not a bad level. He's four, but he he did it pretty much by himself, and that's cool. That's awesome. Um, and he's he's been playing games since he was much younger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we can, we can why don't we come back some other time and then we can just chat i have a great anecdote from when he was like 10 months old and playing final fantasy oh that wow <laughs> what? <laughs> what teaser for next time folks yeah right no well, that, you know, i have to have you back but uh <laughs> mario maker i you know before it came out i said on this podcast i was like you know i'm looking forward to the let's play videos mm -hmm. and watching other people play the ludicrously hard levels and yeah. things but I, the buzz and the amount of online just, you know, uh, raving about this game has been way more than what I expected. It's, it's really fun. There are some, you know, some fun levels out there. There's some not so fun levels out there. Sure. I mean, people are just making stuff. Right. And, you know, stuff will sink to the bottom and rise to the top. But, I mean, even just making a level, you know, I have a lot of fun doing that. Really? Like, I just get an idea and like, okay, I'm going to let it all out and we'll do this and then I have to test it and no that doesn't work at all shoot I have to move this or that's too hard let me add a mushroom here and I'll spend two hours making a level and it's really fun <laughs> it's really fun that is super cool um, so I have a few levels up and um, yeah my son Percy made the first level in the whole house um, pretty much by himself and I'll give you the code for that one <laughs> do you know <laughs> so it offhand I know it's 16 letters digits long that's a lot of digits yeah 16 characters long they're all that way um so i have no idea um but anyway so that's really fun well if you think of it if it, well, actually if you get the uh the code i can post it in the yeah. description of the podcast actually I will do that. <laughs> if people want to do that sure. but that's awesome uh, I've, I've made some and i'm i'm proud of of all of them it's you know i don't have a lot of them out there but i sat down and really worked with the system and whatever tools I have and then it unlocks you know a few more other things and then I'll work with those tools and make another level before I'll move on to the next set of things it unlocks the next day and, and so on and so on so it's, it's really fun and honestly I think if you're a game developer just get the game there are a lot of tools just to make levels and yeah. do stuff that you could then you know that could be the basis you don't have you know someone to really test or the tools to make the game you want to make get Mario Maker and just play it, make levels, and then that can turn into something later. I don't know. Sure. Just thought that struck me like this: if I were a game developer and wanted to make a game, this would be a really good set of tools just to buy and then make you know, save forty different levels, and then that's a game later. 
I don't know. That's, my, that's what I thought anyway. <laughs> no, definitely. I've not been paid to say this by Nintendo at all. I just no. think it's a really great game. It's Absolutely, really cool. of course. Well, yeah, we all love Nintendo. I mean, who doesn't? But that's 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 cool to know that you could go to somebody to talk to about all this legal stuff who actually plays the video games oh, yeah. as well. Because uh, you've been gaming for ever, ever right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Since the NES came out, probably definitely. or thereabouts. That is really cool. Well, yeah, we'll we'll get to hopefully next time we've got you on, we'll we'll get to know you a little bit better, and right. uh, who knows down the line what we'll be talking about. But <laughs> if there's any major crazy cases like uh, another king, uh, another king well, digital. There are always crazy cases. But. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, uh, thanks again for coming in a little bit oh, early to the my city uh, on a Saturday morning. I've I have caffeinated up, even though I don't sound like it. So now I'm ready to go talk to some indie developers. But uh, listener, if you Want to contact Sam? We've already mentioned his email a couple of times, but check the description of the podcast if you uh, need his email because I'll put a link in there. And what else? You can find us at unqualifiedgamers.com or wgmplus.com or gunnageek.com where we are part of the Gunna Geek Network because. Uh, unlike certain game developers who may just want their game available in one place, I just throw my podcast everywhere and cast it to the wind and then hope that somebody listens at some point, which uh, which people will do. Don't worry. You didn't waste your time. I listen. People, <laughs> There you go. People do actually listen. So, um, so please check us out there. And uh, I'll talk to you probably next week or something or whenever I feel like putting up a podcast or who even knows. Who could know? I don't know the answer to that so this is where i hit stop <laughs> <laughs>